the art of ceremony can just be brought into our lives to help all the things, not just these big life events. It can be very small and simple. I think the main thing then that ceremony does is it helps us process, integrate, and bring meaning to what we experience and what we go through. Welcome to Ecosystems for Change, where we co-author the playbook on transforming communities by amplifying the impact of changemakers around us. Whether you are an entrepreneur or otherwise changemaker yourself, a citizen who loves their community with a passion and wants to see it thrive, whether you are a mentor, investor, support organization, advisor, philanthropic funder, economic developer, or policymaker, Learn the practical tools and proven tactics of ecosystem builders from all around the world to better support the dreamers, doers, tinkerers, and makers in your community by taking a systems approach to social change. I'm your host, Annika Horn. Today's conversation takes place in Dayton, Ohio. I caught up with Candace Delmaine Rouge, social entrepreneur, zebra, and mother of twin girls. I wanted you all to meet Candace because she has lived the startup life of acceleration ecosystem building in Silicon Valley and somehow has come out the other end intact to start a business that is deeply aligned with her personal experience and purpose. Join us as we talk about spirituality, trusting your intuition, and acknowledging the important transitions in life. Disclaimer. In this episode, we will be talking about miscarriage and infant loss in case this is a sensitive topic for you or anyone who might be listening in your household or car or wherever you listen to this episode. Here we go. Candice, I am so excited you're here with me today. You and I had the pleasure to meet at Zebras Unite in February of 2022. Yes. It was one of those really random first day of schools. We (laughs) sat next to each other and it was like super awkward for me anyway. And you're like, hey, Annika, so what do you do? What brings you here? I was like, I think I've just made a friend. So that was lovely. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Candice, you are based in Dayton, Ohio. Yes. If we were coming to your ecosystem for the first time, where would you take us? I think this is such a great question. I I love it. So I'm assuming you're coming for like the weekend, right? You're going to like stay a minute. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to start with like definitely a morning bike ride and we'll probably go along the little Miami scenic trail. Speaking of which, this is on, you know, Dayton is on Miami, Hopewell, and Adena lands. And so I think it would just be fitting to go along the Little Miami River. It's gorgeous. You pass these little fields and quaint little towns and go through the woods. And it's very, it's called scenic for a reason, you know? Yep. So we go there, stop at maybe a little brewery or a cafe along the trail and just have a good day of it. But then in the evening, I feel like I would have to take you to somewhere downtown. So downtown Dayton is having a resurgence. It's having a comeback. There's lots of new restaurants and and businesses moving downtown, a lot of growth and expansion. And so I'd want to show it off, you know? Yeah. And I'd take you to two new restaurants. They're like sister sister restaurants and, and a bar. So one's Tender Mercy. It's this underground bar. It's like just modern and cool and like amazing cocktails. We definitely start there. And then upstairs is this modern Mexican restaurant where you, I don't want to say like, you don't feel like you're in Dayton, but you don't feel like you're in Dayton. You know, you feel like you're in some 
I don't know, big metropolitan city with a lot of class and sophistication. It's just, it's just nice. It makes me proud, proud of the city. And then lastly, I'd have to do something Wright Brothers related because this is the home of the Wright Brothers. And okay. so we have to go visit like, I don't know where they grew up or one of the little museums around here and just show you the birthplace of aviation. I love it. Um, I am in North Carolina right now. They lay claim to to the birthplace of aviation yes. because I think they did one of their test rides or the first successful takeoff in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. Yes. But let me just point out that you are a mom to two lovely, gorgeous, cutest little twins ever. You are an entrepreneur and still you know where the cool bars are in your own city. And I'm just absolutely <laughs> jealous of that because I can't remember the last time I went to a cool bar unless it was like during nap time, which I don't yeah, recommend exactly. starting to drink at 1 p.m. But I am so impressed. That's really, honestly, that's really quite something. Honestly, we're behind. <laughs> There's so many new restaurants in town that we haven't been to, but we had a glorious date night, my husband and I like a month ago. And so we went to both Tender Mercy and Sueno finally. And it was like, look at us. We're being normal adult people out in the world. Yeah. Congratulations. I think many of us are still trying to practice that with kids at home and COVID and working for ourselves and all that good stuff. Speaking of cool things you do, I know that you once pitched the NFL. What is up with that? Fill us in. That is so true. Um, I was working for a med tech accelerator and we had a partnership with three hospitals, hospital systems, and we would work with their doctors and nurses and different people at this hospital to basically uncover unmet needs and try to commercialize those needs with products that were services that might address those. So rather than mm -hmm. a technology looking for a problem, it was really done the right way where you have real needs and how can we create solutions to address those needs? And so one of the things that we had worked on was an app for concussion. It was just this mobile app, which is pretty novel, actually. It's not just a mobile app, but the ability to mm -hmm. test if someone has a concussion by their eye movement and just do it on the field if it's sports related or wherever and be able to assess that is what we were working on. So I worked with a team of designers and engineers and I was the person with like the business background of how do we commercialize it. So we, we had the opportunity to go to New York City and pitch to the NFL for a competition that they were having to address this exact problem of how to diagnose concussion yeah. rapidly. And so we pitched and we didn't end up winning, but still it was a really cool experience to be like, we're pitching for the NFL. This is kind of a big deal. I cannot imagine many problems in the NFL bigger and more severe yeah. than concussion and yeah. diagnosing and treating and preventing. That's, mm -hmm. I got to say for all of the listeners who are not from the US, I cannot watch football because of that. There was a movie years ago that Will Smith made called Concussion that talks about the risk, the medical implications of concussions in football. And I was like, this is suicide. And I can't believe we're watching it, but wow, cool. What a great need. And what a great way to build a startup is yeah. I love how you put that, find a problem and build a product or service to address it, not the other way around. Super cool. Great. Well, on that high note, Candace, <laughs> let's stick with the more serious here for a minute. I know that there have been times in the not too distant past where things were 
pretty rough. I mean, the, the reason I want to talk to you is you have this great business you're running. You have a background in, in startups and in acceleration and in ecosystem building. Um, I met you in a really great time, but we also had some conversation around the fact that things were also really tough and you decided to leave the space of acceleration and, and startups on the, on the support side. Can you tell us a little bit about the moment that you realized something wasn't right and you needed to make a change? Yes. It was one of those things. I don't know if people are going to get this, but sometimes I feel like the universe will give you feathers Okay. And they'll be like, you need to make a change. And here's just like a light feather. That's kind of an indication that maybe a change needs to be made. And for me, I was like, hmm, yeah, change. I see that feather moving on. Let's keep doing the same thing that I'm doing. So got a couple feathers. And then I feel like it was like, you know what? You're not listening. Here's a brick. And that brick came in the form of, um, and it's not like it, it was a brick, but I became pregnant with the twins. And that was just a fundamental shift for me because perhaps if I was only having one child, I'm just going from zero to one, I would have probably continued on the same trajectory. But the fact yeah. that there was two little, little beings coming into the world was like, this is the thing that has to change. You know, it is now the thing. I don't have it in me to continue on this path of burning the candle at both ends or just an endless amount of, of giving and very external focused, um, something had to shift. And so I was working for, uh, a Silicon Valley business and it was so fun. I mean, I had a great experience there. I traveled the world. I worked with an amazingly fun and talented team. It was cool. You know, it was very cool. Um, but it was also exhausting and the hustle culture, was increasingly becoming at odds with the way I felt called to live. And so with the girls' <laughs> arrival, it was like, something has to shift, something has to change. And so that's kind of what happened. I left, I left three months before the girls were born and um, just had, wanted to have space to figure out, well, what, does want to be here. Yes, this being a mother wants to be here, but what else wants to be called through me in terms of my vocation and my career? And can I give that space to also come to life and bloom and grow in this time? And maybe we'll get into it. That was a whole can of worms on its own, but that was really the impetus uh, behind leaving. I love the way you phrase that between the feathers and the brick, because I read somewhere a few years ago, and it always stuck with me, is that destiny doesn't shout at you. Mm. It's usually mm. is a whisper and another one, and we yeah. ignore it, yeah, and we yeah. ignore it right. until either we can't ignore it anymore, mm -hmm. or we really just get hit with a brick. We're like, <laughs> oh, okay, the signs have been there, and I'm finally listening, and I'm ready to make that change. Mm -hmm. Take us into the present what is life like now? You've made a lot of changes in your life. You've become an entrepreneur yourself. You're a mom. How's life like compared to how it was before? It is good. I feel like I'm coming more into who I really am, mm -hmm. which has also been its own process of like getting into my thirties was a lovely, like I had a great time in my twenties, but the thirties feels good. I'm like, I know who I am and coming into myself and um my path and my purpose and my calling and, and having the 
perhaps it's maturity or courage to listen to it, you know, and follow it. Today, I've got two toddlers. They're like adorable. They're cute. They're hilarious. They're definitely hellions. You know, we're definitely in the terrific two phase, but they're in daycare as of January. And that was a huge game changer because I started my business ceremony about a year ago, but I was working on it like you're saying, at naps in the morning before they wake up, at night, on weekends. And now that they're in daycare, it just feels like there's there's more balance and more space, honestly, to breathe and catch my breath a bit. It was, it was a bit hectic there for a minute trying to be a stay-at-home mom and launch this business. So I feel like we're getting some equilibrium on that front. And in terms of my practices, I would say at this time, really loving what I'm doing there as well. I definitely have a daily meditation practice in terms of physical care. It's strength training, hiking, and yoga weekly. And then just really in a, in a lovely place of my spiritual development and growth and journey. Feels good. Feels like it's where it's supposed to be. I feel calmer just listening to you. So do share <laughs> when you when you made the decision to step back from that part of your career. How did you figure out what needed to happen? Like, did you pick up a book? Did you already know? Did you try some things? Like, how do you know that hiking and yoga and strength building mm. and spirituality and time for yourself and daycare? Mm. Like, how did you figure out what pieces needed to be in place? I would say the spiritual aspect is absolutely the most important to me. It's been a journey for a solid decade. Like I had a quarter life crisis around 25 and that's where my spiritual practice really started to take root and take shape. And over the past decade, it's just grown and grown in a really beautiful way. And luckily mentors have come into my life serendipitously or not, you know, to guide me. And, and I have a great community I'm a part of. Um, so it's my own learning and then having a great mentor, mentors and having people on this, um, wanting to live a more conscious life in my life. And that's enormously helpful. And then in terms of the physical fitness that, I mean, so I have pretty severe scoliosis. And after the girls were born, I was in an enormous amount of pain because my back had nine months to adjust to that weight gain. And then in a day, half of it's gone. I had no strength at all, like no ab muscles. And it was just, so it was this rebuilding. And luckily I discovered physical therapy that was tailored to postpartum life. And that was enormous. I wish I had done physical therapy like way earlier in my life. It's, it's been had an enormous effect on my well-being and my pain level and being able to care for my children, you know, with this chronic spinal condition, I have to be strong. Like it's just necessary. No, even just lugging around two babies, let alone oh, babies yeah. that have the audacity to grow and get heavier <laughs> and bigger and need you just as much. Yeah, that's exactly it. Can I dig a little bit deeper when you say spirituality? Mm -hmm. Is that is that church? Is that a different religion? What is it con what does that contain for you? That's a great question. 
I grew up Presbyterian and so Protestant, but, and I'd say that had an influence on me for sure, but I do not feel an affiliation or affinity with any religious background. It's deeply spiritual, but totally agnostic. I learn from different spiritual faiths and religions and backgrounds, but I find religion for me personally to be a bit dogmatic and um, limiting. I think there's much more that we can tap into outside of religion. So for me, if I had to like name what mine is, I, like, I don't know what to call it. You know, it's, it's rooted in consciousness, I think. Consciousness, multidimensionality. There's an appreciation for faith backgrounds, but it's fluid. It's definitely connected with nature. I don't know what to call it. You know, it's, it is. I call it the universe. And I think yeah. my husband is going crazy because he's like, what is she talking about? I'm like, the universe will take care of it. Or it may not. I'm still learning, <laughs> but I have a sense something is happening. I'm still figuring it out, but I think there's a role the universe plays best. Hello. I wanted to pop in here real quick to remind you that this podcast is an ecosystem. And the best part, you can become part of it. You can listen, share it with the people in your life who need to hear what we're talking about, and you can engage in the conversation. What are you taking away from today's episode? What resonates? What do I need to know as we move through this season together? I would love to hear from you. Head over to speakpipe.com slash burn both ends and share what's on your mind. And with any luck, we'll hear from you in the final episode of this season. And now back to the show. One thing I really admire about you, Candace, is that you have found a way to pour that intentionality, that living consciously into a business, which feels so rich and so true to who you are, as, as little as I know you, but it really feels like an expression of who you are and what you're bringing into this world. Can you tell us a little bit more about what your business is and how it came about? Yeah, absolutely. So my business is called Ceremony, and it's really about helping people honor, heal, and celebrate the events of life. And so my intention with this is to bring power presence and reverence back into our lives and to the things that we go through and experience, whether it's challenging life events that we, um, that are bound to happen, whether it's the good things that we want to pause and celebrate or the things that we're trying to bring to life, our intentions, our manifestations, things that we want to do. I really believe that the power of ceremony, the art of ceremony can be a huge supporter of these aspects of life. And it came about for me because I had a miscarriage before, before the girls were born and was completely devastated and didn't really know what to do. Like I knew I needed help, but not like in a therapy way. I've done therapy. It was like, I need more than therapy. My soul hurts. My soul hurts. I need help in a different way. And so I was looking on the internet and searching for things and I didn't find, I didn't find anything. I didn't find what I was seeking. And so I created a ceremony for my husband and I to honor the loss of this being that was with us for a short period of time. And it was transformative. We felt immediately 
better after having the ceremony. And then as the days and weeks went on, I felt like, like I could feel this transformative effect that that acknowledgement had on our life. And I didn't think I'd start a, a business or a calling from that point. I was like, whoa, that was enormous. And I'm going to tell any friends that I have to go through that again, because it was huge. And I did because so many people go through miscarriage. It's very common or child loss. Um, it's why I think the statistics are one in four people go through that. And so I didn't really think anything of it. So then I'm in, in this pandemic period, which was quite challenging, just giving birth to, to two little beings. I'm about to get ready to go out and be in the world and everything shuts down. Um, yeah. Right when we were like, okay, we think we like, no, we're doing kind of like, maybe we should go somewhere. And it was like shut down for several months and we were extremely isolated isolated and alone. And I had thought I would go back to work. I'd had a, a side consulting business. I thought, oh, I'll start doing that again. They'll start daycare and like all those plans changed. And so there was this like period of caring for these little children, just my husband and I, very isolated in this new role and being like, who am I? Like my life before was so busy and full and so external facing and out in the world and all over the world. And here I am in the same house for months on end, having the pretty much the exact same day over and over again. Who am I? I don't know who I am anymore. And so it was this period of just everything and nothing, death and birth in terms of myself. This old me had died and this new me was trying to figure out who the hell she was. And it was in that space um, where I, I had one of those opportunities to go on like a half an hour hike in the dead of winter while they were napping. I was like, I gotta get the hell out of this house for a minute. So I'm on like a half hour hike and lightly holding, just lightly holding, not like, what am I doing with my life? It was just a light hold of what am I supposed to do? What is, cause I had felt this bigger thing that there's something for you coming. And I felt it for years, but not knowing mm -hmm. what it was, not knowing, I think there's this thing coming. I don't know what the heck it is. I think it's in the spiritual realm. I don't know what it is. And it just landed on this very short hike, very clear in my awareness of bringing ceremony to people, very similar to this experience with the miscarriage and to bring it in a way that could just be like a DIY kit. Like you don't have to think of, just like you're saying, like, how do you go about doing this? How do you know what to do? And be like, it's just a little kit that you could do, whether you want to do it by yourself, because sometimes we want to grieve and honor or whatever alone. And other times we want to do it with, with others. But to have that, you don't have to think about it. Here's just a guide and follow it and make it your own, whatever feels most aligned that could come to people. And it, I felt really called to start with the seasons as I was living more in, in flow with seasonal change and noticing the profound impact it was having on my life. I thought this is just a simple way to get started that how to bring ceremony lightly into people's lives in a way that can just support them as an undercurrent throughout each threshold and cycle that we go through in the year um, that we can really benefit from that nurtures us when we're connected to it. What I really appreciate about your approach is it's, you're not sending a gift box to people with some dandy little thoughtful gifts. It's mm -hmm. really 
a ceremony. Mm-hmm. It's a whole, that's a whole different experience. What is the value of ceremony? I'm asking this very genuinely because yeah. I have a feeling, but what happens during a ceremony that helps us move through something, be mm-hmm. it celebrating something good, grieving for something hard, or really just working through a challenge? Why are ceremonies so helpful? I love that question. I think ceremonies are human, regardless of our background, where we're from, what what are what's influenced influenced us in our lives. I think it is a human creation. I think it is a human action. It's a human thing to participate in. Um, if you look back in any culture from the beginning of time, there's ceremonies for all kinds of things from all around the world. We have ceremonies today. Mainly in Western culture, they're around death, birth, maybe a graduation, maybe a retirement. These things, these celebrations are times to honor thresholds. I think the art of ceremony can just be brought into our lives to help all the things, not just these big life events or milestones, really, but can help the losses, the transitions, the achievements. They can be as small as it can be very small and simple um, versus something big and elaborate that's done with a group of people. I mean, there's a whole range of things that you could you could do ceremony on. I think the main thing then that ceremony does is it helps us process, integrate, and bring meaning to what we experience and what we go through. So I, this, I just think the applications are vast. Um, now it's just a matter of relearning it and appreciating its value in our life because the challenge is we live in a society and a culture that's just like keep that chin up you know something happens get back up on those feet think positive or you know it's like we're allowed to pause we're allowed to pause and take stock of what we've gone through and acknowledge it we're allowed to do that I agree wholeheartedly. A lot of season two was about systems change and how we're just running so bloody fast all the time, trying to make a difference, trying to start that business, trying to transform our community. The goal is constantly shifting and we're always chasing and running. And I think we're really missing those those markers, those mm-hmm. mile markers mm-hmm. of being able to sit with whatever accomplishment or disappointment mm-hmm. we just experienced and giving us a way to somehow wrap our heads and hearts around what just happened right. is something I wish I had more of in my life. I mean, anything from getting a new job or finally achieving something that you've always wanted. Yes. Um, I'm thinking of all the startups that didn't make it. We, in one of my previous roles, we did a Viking funeral where we celebrated the fact that this startup failed. And I I just, we all need so much more room and space for ceremony and knowing that, you know, we've kind of lost that skill and ability, at least I have. I'm really glad to know that you're out there catering to that need and helping people process through really important stuff in their lives. That's wonderful. So from here, where I want to go is, okay, we've got the seasonal collection and now it's time to launch healing boxes and celebration boxes. And so the two that I'm launching this year are 
miscarriage and infant loss because that's where my journey began. I feel like that's the first healing box that I want to start with. And then the joy bird box, because it's talking about what you're saying, the accomplishment, the thing you've been working on forever, like, or whatever, a huge achievement that you, you've met when you're proud of yourself. We can't only focus on the hardships. They're important. They deserve space, but we've also got to give credit where credit's due in our lives too. All right, everybody, get on Candace's newsletter list. Be sure to know when all of these drop. And uh, until then, get one of the boxes that are currently available, which I think is a summer box. Candace, it, it looks from where I'm sitting like you have all this figured out and you're very zen and very accomplished and everything. But what is what is maybe one thing that you wish you were farther along in your journey on? Is there something that you're still working on trying to optimize, introduce, or, or stop doing? Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're never done, right? We're never done learning. It's <laughs> we are endless. never done. Can never, you can never finish it. Um, for me, the real thing that I'm trying to work on is unlearning the old way, mm. which is so ingrained of this. It's really what you're talking about. Of So as much as I'm an advocate for ceremony and pausing, I still have to practice in my daily life, how I'm managing my time, how, where I'm focusing my energy and my efforts, because I think so much it's like, it's that hustle mentality that's still like in my psyche a bit of, mm -hmm. and it's the over-masculine, it's the over-masculine versus the feminine, all about productivity and output and how much did you get done and go, go, go and external focus. And I still have a bit of that, that I'm trying to unlearn and how to be more receptive, inflow, intuitive, restful, focusing on joy and play in addition to what we've got to get done. So I'm still working on this balance and how to, how to optimize that. And I just want to say this, we're not, we're not, hating on men right now when you say exactly. masculine and feminine exactly. you're yes. talking about the yin and yen energies yeah, absolutely. thank you that have different characteristics okay i was just introduced to that and i thought it was very very insightful and gave me some really good language around different types of energies for different mm -hmm. types of situations and i think we sound super witchy witchy woo woo here for everybody <laughs> listening i'm, I'm all for it <laughs> thank you for coming on that tangent with us um Candice, with everything you have going on in life right now and going forward, what needs to be in place for you to do this work sustainably? What are the non-negotiables that need to be there? So one that I'm working on right now and have just instituted is boundaries. So in a nutshell, it's boundaries, play, and fun. <laughs> That's what needs to be in place for me to be sustainable. So for me, those things need to be in place. Boundaries is one. And then it can't just be all work and serious and what has to get done, which there's part of me that I love a to-do list. I love the damn mm -hmm. list, love checking off the list. Like I'm trying to unlearn the list. Let's have some other motivators, you know, of what's bringing the joy. I think they call that unstructured playtime where our yeah. daughters hang out right now. Just some unstructured <laughs> playtime. Yes, yes. I need unstructured playtime. Absolutely. Candace, when things really go south and you find yourself on, I don't know, say Wednesday afternoon, looking at the rest of your week thinking, holy smokes, it's too much. 
I need to pull the emergency brake. Something needs to give. What is your first line of defense when you find yourself in a pickle and you know that you've overcommitted yourself, the candle is burning on both ends? What is that first thing you go do or don't do? My first thing is stopping and going within, definitely going within and tapping into my inner guidance system. Is that meditation? Is that mindfulness? What? How can I imagine that? If I had one piece of advice to give or one mm-hmm. thing, one practice that I think people should know about, it would be this. And it's developing a relationship with your inner, with your intuition. It's developing a relationship and it's building a muscle. I see it in the same way, just like we go to the gym to exercise or like me, I'm learning French. My husband's French. I'm endlessly trying to learn French, which is great for my brain. But for my spirit, developing this muscle of checking in with my intuition and understanding how does my intuition speak to me and understanding its language and how do I have a relationship with it? I think that's like critical. I think it's a critical skill to have. Um, whether you call it your intuition, your inner wisdom, your inner voice, inner guidance, higher self, it doesn't really matter. Like it's there for a reason. And just like we use our body and all of its abilities, we should also use this sense and this ability that we have within our being to guide us and help us throughout our lives. And it's not mindfulness. It's definitely, I guess you could call it meditation. It's quiet. You know, it is um, connecting in with your heart. It is quieting the outside noise, quieting the outside chatter in your brain. It is going to a place within and sitting with it and listening to what's there. And so I, you could call it meditation or maybe it's just listening, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know that you know this, but this is incredibly hard for many of us. I find this incredibly hard. If I have the choice between taking one more thing off my to-do list, writing one more email, you know, reading one more book or sitting quietly with my thoughts, yeah. I'll do the first. I do not. It It is so hard to have the the patience to just sit and be quiet. So I do rely on some meditation practices because I wouldn't even know where to start mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to listen to myself. I think there's two things I'd love to say there. Great freaking yeah. point. Absolutely. But that's why it's a skill. That's why it's a skill that you learn. You know, it's not like you're just like, cool, I'm going to sit here for 20 minutes and like definitely go to that place. And I know it already. Like you wouldn't just start out and run a marathon, you know, you'd be like, I'm going to start, I'm going to start a mile, maybe just a little bit. So my suggestion of how, how do you develop it would be maybe you do a guided meditation or something. There's all these great meditation apps now, Calm, Headspace, Insight Timer, maybe you do some sort of short guided meditation. And once that's kind of cleared your mind for you, then for two minutes after that meditation, then just sit in that space and see what you see, what you notice, see what's there. Um, Or maybe it's just, you start with five minutes, just a five minute thing and say, I'm just going to sit here, do what I can. And if the mind chatter comes in, there's no judgment about it. You just come back to the heart space, come back to your center and try again. One thing that I have found helpful is in asking a question to myself 
And how does it feel inside? Does it feel, mm-hmm. when I've talked to other people that that do this, they describe it in different ways. Like if it's something positive, it might feel really light or higher up in the body or really just flow, um, joyful. It could feel expansive. It could feel like love. If it's something not so great, you might get a negative feeling somewhere in your body. It might feel lower in the body. It might feel like sludge. We don't know. Like you got to find out what, how your body speaks to you. And so it's a matter of listening, of listening to what is my body's way of communicating? And how can I just start to subtly pick up on that and just give it a little bit of time, a little bit of space, and then you're done. You did it. Boom. And over time, see how it develops. I love that because I think that has been one of the biggest shifts for me over the last, I don't know, year or two. We're so trained to listen to the outside voices on social media, on other people's opinions and other influences that it becomes really hard to listen inside where I think we have a lot of the answers. We have a lot of the insight that Mm -hmm. we need to take the next step, to move forward, to to stay true to ourselves. So thank you for this, uh, appendix on being present and listening to yourself. I love it. Candace, before we get to the end here, I want to let everybody know that they can connect with you at holdceremony.com. They can find you on Instagram and Facebook at holdceremony. Of course, I put other links in the show notes so people can hopefully flood over there and uh, place your orders and connect with you and just drink up your wisdom in the way that I've been able to do that over the last half hour. Thank you so much. Now, are you ready for our rapid fire round? Yes. Perfect. Okay, we already dipped into one of those, but I'll give you a chance. We'll see if we can find more stuff. First off, taking care of yourself means? I think it's listening to yourself. I mean, just like you were saying, it's knowing what your needs are. We already have the knowledge or direction within us. Taking care of yourself is listening to what your needs are and honoring it. And that might mean taking a nap or it might mean going on a walk or like, Going out and getting a cocktail with a friend, you know, I don't know, something, but listen to whatever, whatever that heart is telling you. The one practice, habit or routine every change maker should know about. You know, my mentor gave me a really great acronym. It's called SNOMER. I think it's just a good one to remember on a daily basis. Like, am I doing these things? And and this will maintain well-being. So S is for sleep. N is for nutrition, O is for oxygen, getting outside, breathing fresh air. W is for water, we drink enough water. M is for meditation, E is for exercise, and R is for rest. What is one resource that influenced you so much that you would recommend it to other ecosystem builders? Dr. Joe Dispenza has had an enormous um impact on me. I think if there's anything that you want to change in your life, any habit you might want to break, any new thing that you would like to implement in your life, whether it's changing a particular pattern or viewpoint or um, emotion that might be frequent, or perhaps you want to improve relationships or you want more abundance, like whatever the goal is, his meditations, which are rooted in science, are fantastic, absolutely game changers in terms of being able to access our own innate power and strength in changing our lives. Thank you. We will put that in the show notes. 
Candice, this has been delightful and I knew it was going to be. So my last question is, if you were to create a ceremony box for ecosystem builders, mm -hmm. what would we put in there? So ecosystem builders are, I believe, people that deeply care. They deeply care. They're big givers. They um, an enormous amount of giving to help make the world a better place. And so the first thing I'd want to put in there is like some bath salts, you know, just take a bath and relax and allow your yourself to have some space to let go. I definitely put in, in terms of crystals, a rock, crystal, stone, I put in healer's gold. It is a black stone with gold speckled dots on, on it. And it's great for people that are big givers and how to reclaim what the energy that you've given out and bring some of that back into your soul. Mm -hmm. um, I would definitely have a candle, obviously you gotta have a candle in there. I would have maybe a, a singing bowl, a singing bowl or a crystal bowl, crystal healing bowl, which is, is sound healing. And so having the frequency of different healing sounds to just break up, break up any congested energy and help turn off the always on mentality. And then, of course, there'd be a guided meditation in there, no doubt. Of course, there would be a guided ceremony in there, walking people through how to bring vitality to their own lives and rest to their own lives and refill their own cups after so much giving. So those are some things I might put in there. Perfect. Uh, please put me on the yeah, your order list for that one. <laughs> I feel like I want to send it out to everyone who's ever been on this podcast <laughs> and everyone I'm about to meet in this field. Candace, thank you for sharing your genius, your insight, your kindness with us so generously. I've really enjoyed this conversation and I already can't wait to have you back on the show. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Andrew. I so appreciate it. Be sure to find out more about Candice at holdceremony.com and connect with her on LinkedIn and Instagram. I pay my respect to the traditional custodians of the land on which I work and live, the Tuscarora, Shokori, Saponi, Okanichi, Lumbi, and Ino people. I recognize their continuing connection to land, water, and community. I pay respect to elders past, present, and emerging. This episode was produced by Yellow House Media. 